Well, today we're going to conclude our series called Refocus. We are refocusing on our word for the year, and the word for the year is what? Increase. Yeah, it is the word increase. We have declared this year to be a year of increase. Our goal this year is to increase in three areas. We want to increase our efficiency, we want to increase our effectiveness, and we want to increase our efforts. Today, we are going to talk about increasing our efforts. I want to begin today by giving you a definition of this word effort. The definition is a vigorous or determined attempt. In Proverbs 21, verse number five, the wisdom writer says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So the wisdom writer said that hard work alone will not cut it, and neither will a great plan. He says it will require both. Somebody said it like this. They said, plan your work and then work your plan. And that's exactly what we are trying to do here at the Grace Place. Well, today I want to suggest four things that we can do that will help us increase our efforts. Now understand this works for us as a, as a body, as a church, corporately, but it will work for us individually in every area of our life as well. Well, how are you going to, how are we going to increase our efforts? First of all, do more than we are doing. How many know that if you're going to increase effort, you're going to have to do more than what you are doing? Turn to your neighbor this morning and say, wow, pastor is so profound today. I wonder how long it took him to develop such a profound statement as that. Well, although I, I might be stating the obvious, most people are not walking down this particular road. Here's what I know. I've said it for many, many years, and that is if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always got. How many understand that this morning? See, you can't get more out of something unless you are willing to pour more into something. See, you can't give the same amount of effort to something and then expect a different result. And so, and so we need to try something different. Try something different. There's three questions that, that I want to give you this morning. Three questions that you need to ask yourself. The first question you need to ask yourself is this. What is working in my life? Take a little inventory of your life and answer the question, what is working in my life? And how many thinks that once you discover what is working in your life, it might be a good idea to keep doing it? Second question you need to ask yourself is, and that is, ask yourself, what isn't working in my life? How many believe that's a good question? What is not working in my life? How many believe it's a good idea once you discover the things that are not working in your life? It'd be a good idea to stop doing that. Third question I think would be good for you to ask yourself this morning, and it is the question, what could I improve on in my life? What could I improve on? in my life. And once you discover the areas of your life that you could improve upon, I how many would agree it would be a good idea then to tweak those areas. And I would encourage you to start with the basics. Start with the basics. How's your devotional life? 
First of all, do you even have one? How's your devotional life? Uh, How's your relationships? How's your finances? Uh, How's your personal development? Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you growing? Are you growing? See, see, as a church, we want to grow. We talk about it all the time in, in staff. It is our desire. We want to grow. But I want you to understand the fact that when we say we want to grow, we're not just talking about attendance. Do we want our attendance to grow? Absolutely, we want our attendance to grow. But we're not just talking about growing attendance. We're not just talking about growing financially. Listen, we, we want to grow our reach. We want to grow our reach. We want to grow our effectiveness. We want to grow our influence. Uh, We want to grow our people. And we understand that this will not happen by maintaining status quo. Only by increasing our efforts, only then will this happen. And listen, how many understand that it will, it, it, it must be a united effort. We, we can't just increase our efforts, but we must make sure that it is a united effort. I love the story of a man that asked his friend to help him move a refrigerator. And the two men worked and they worked and they worked and they worked and, and much effort was expended and much energy was invested by, mo- by both men but absolutely no progress was made. Finally, the friend said to the other friend, the owner of the refrigerator, man, man, I don't think we'll ever get this refrigerator in your house. And the other man said, in, in, man, I'm trying to get it out. (laughs) How many understand effort alone won't get the job done? We must all be on the same page. We must all be headed in the same direction. We must plan our work and then we must work our plan. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Well, let me suggest something else we can do to help us increase our efforts. And that is, number two is manage our time better. In order for us to increase our efforts, we're going to have to learn to manage time better. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, he says, be careful how you live. He says, spend your time wisely. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Let me ask two questions here this morning. And the first question is, how much time are we wasting How much time are we wasting? It is said the average American worker today is wasting three out of their eight-hour workday. They're getting paid for eight hours of work, and they are only working five of the eight hours. The other three hours is spent in social media, games, Chit-chat with co-workers and other time wasters. How much time are we wasting? How much time are we wasting in other areas of our life? You know, we say we don't have time to read our Bibles. Oh, I'm just too busy, man. If I just, you know, you know, I just, I'm just too busy to read my Bible. We say, oh, you know, I'd really love to pray. I know I ought to pray. I should pray, but I just don't have time, man. If I just had more time, I know I would pray. 
Oh, I know I should be involved in a volunteer ministry, and there's some things, you know, I have some talents and abilities and, and, and some specialties in my life that I could be a real blessing to some ministry, and I really would like to invest some time in the ministry. If only I had more time. And yet, although we say we don't have time to pray, we don't have time to read our Bibles, we don't have time to invest in a ministry yet, yet we have time, we have time to scroll Facebook. We have time to text our friends constantly. We have time to play games on our phone or on our devices, and and the list goes on and on and on. The question is, how much time are we wasting? Here's another question we ought to ask, and that is, which efforts are worthy of our time? Because time, we are all limited. We all have the same amount of time, and there's so many demands upon our time. We need to ask, which efforts are worthy of my time? Here's what I know, and that is we make time for what is important to us. We make time for what is important to us. And where we invest our time says much about our priorities. You know, we'll get out of bed earlier or we'll stay up at night later in order to be able to do what we really want to do. We're talking about increasing our efforts. If we learn to manage our time better, we will have more time for the things that are worthy of our time. Things like time for our spouse and time for our kids and time to invest in a ministry and time for self-improvement such as a seminar or a degree program or as simple as reading a leadership book but somehow investing in ourselves. This is a year of increase. Are you increasing your efforts or are you stuck on status quo? Are you increasing your efforts or are you, all, are you in a coasting mode? Are you increasing your efforts or are you expecting more results to come from the very same amount of effort? Proverbs 12 and 27 says, diligence is man's precious possession. I'm thinking of a young man that was in my church many years ago, another church that I pastored. He was a young man in high school, and he played on the high school basketball team. I knew his family well. One night I decided to go and watch this young man play basketball. And I remember showing up there, and I remember receiving the the program that they give you before the game. And I remember opening the, the, the program, and in the program it had the picture of all of the basketball players. But not only did it have a picture of all the basketball players, but it also had a word from the coach about every single one of his basketball players. And I'll never forget reading about this young man from his coach. And honestly, I was shocked when I started reading and a little bit offended, but, but I was shocked at what the coach said. It got better at the end, but, 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 but the coach described this young man by saying this, this young man can't run. He can't shoot. He can't jump and he can't dribble. How many would like to be described like that from your high school basketball coach? That's exactly what was in the program. This young man can't shoot, he can't jump, he can't dribble, he can't run, but I can't keep him off of the court because of his effort. 
And this young man was a start. He didn't, he didn't just make the basketball team. He was a starting forward for a class 5A high school basketball program. Evidently, he had little natural ability, had nat- little natural talent. Obviously, there were boys who were sitting on the bench who had far more natural talent than he did. And yet, at the end of the day, he was out on the court and they were riding the pine. Why? Why? What he lacked in talent, he made up for in effort. Now, he could have used his lack of natural ability and talent as an excuse to quit, but instead he chose to outwork. He chose to out-hustle every single teammate on the team. And the truth of the matter is this young man became a very good defensive player. I don't know if he scored any points at all, but he became a very good defensive player. Listen, I was there. I watched him. I am not exaggerating. He would go after the ball like a raging maniac. I mean, he'd go out after that ball like a crazy man. And because of that, he would either steal the ball or he would pressure his opponent to the point that his opponent would make a bad pass. What he lacked in ability, what he lacked in talent, he made up for in effort. How much effort are we putting forth? Are we placing our effort into the right things? Are we placing our effort into things like our family and our church and our Lord? How many agree we need to learn to manage our time better? Let's move on to number three this morning. The third thing that we can do to increase our efforts, and that is update our methods update our methods. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10 says, a dull axe requires more strength. So sharpen the blade. It almost like it's like, it's, it almost reads like this. A dull axe requires more strength. So sharpen the blade, dummy. You know, when our axe becomes dull, we have a choice to make. We can either swing harder Or we can stop for a few moments and sharpen the blade. Somebody said, work smarter, not harder. And that's exactly what we're trying to do at the Grace Place. And here's what I know this morning, and some of you won't like this. It's okay. I say stuff people don't like all the time. But it's what I know, and that is what worked in the past may not work in the present. Not saying throw everything of the past out. I am not saying that. Do not read that into it. But I'm telling you what worked in the past may not work in the present. And I want to remind you this morning that I'm talking about the methods, not the message. Are we clear this morning? I'm talking about the methods, not the message. See, the message, hear me this morning, the message is sacred and never changes. The methods are seasonal and should change. See, see most churches, and I say most because most churches run under a hundred in attendance. Half of those run under 50. Most churches are organized around a world that no longer exists.
And so in light of this, we should permit the next generation permission to give input. I was thinking about this this past week as I was putting this message together and I thought, you know what? Coming up behind Moses was who? Joshua. Coming up behind Elijah was who? Elisha. Coming up behind Paul was who? Timothy. Coming up behind Moses was Joshua. Coming up behind Elijah was Elisha. Coming up behind Paul was Timothy. Let me ask you this morning, did Moses and Elijah and Paul have something to offer? Absolutely. But so did Joshua and Elisha and Timothy. And here's what dawned on me this week. And Joshua and Elisha and Timothy were just as effective as Moses and Elijah and Paul. Watch this. Even though their method of ministry was different. Here's what I know. When we reject the methods of the next generation, we are actually rejecting our very own kids and grandkids. If we're going to increase our efforts, we must include the input of the next generation. And hey, hey, they're the ones with the energy. I I still burn the midnight oil, but it starts at nine. Here's what I know, and that is we cannot reach a generation that we are unwilling to relate to. If we're going to demand that the next generation look like us and talk like us and dress like us and look like us and act like us, we're going to lose them. Because you know what? I don't, I'm not talking about physically, but I don't dress like my dad did. I don't act like my dad did. I don't talk like my dad did. I don't preach like my dad did. Did my dad, was he effective in ministry? Yes, but I'm effective in ministry as well, even though my methods are totally different than my father's. And my son is having an incredible effect in ministry, but he's not doing everything the way he saw his dad do it. Can I reach a generation we're unwilling to relate to? And again, I'm talking methods, not message. The message must never change. The packaging of the message must constantly be updated. Let's look at the fourth and the final thing that we can do to increase our efforts. And that is, and I've talked about this a lot. I'm going to keep talking about it because it's on my heart. It's on my heart because God is putting it on my heart. But if we are going to increase our efforts, we're going to have to mentor someone and be mentored by someone. Second Timothy chapter two and verse two says, Paul is writing to young Timothy, the young man coming up after him. He says, the things that you have learned from me, he said, Timothy, you teach to others. And then they in turn can also teach these things even to others. Here's what I know this morning. Don't allow a lifetime of wisdom to die with you. Right now I'm talking for a moment about those that are in the senior years Don't allow a lifetime of wisdom to die with you. You you have learned from others. 
You have learned from trial and error, three steps forward, two steps back. Life has taught you many, many things. Don't take the things, don't take these things to the grave with you. It's inevitable. We're all going to die. Your body may die, but you can continue to live through the wisdom that you have imparted to other people. Paul had a Timothy that he poured into. Find yourself a Timothy and pour into him. Or find you a young lady, amen, young uh, uh, women, and pour into them. Don't allow a lifetime of wisdom to die with you, but also welcome reverse mentoring. Welcome reverse mentoring. See, when we think about mentoring, we usually talk about mentoring forward. We talk about, usually talk about mentoring the next generation. But listen, I want to tell you what, we don't just need to be mentors, we need to be mentored. And sometimes those that are behind us and those that are coming on behind us are the ones we need them to mentor us, at least in, in, in today's world. And those of us that have lived 50, 60, 70 years or so, listen, listen, the world we live in now is not the same world that we were born into. This is not the world I was born into. It's not the world I was raised in. Some of it's better and much of it's worse, but it is totally, completely different. And because of that, we need some younger people in our lives that we can glean from. This is their world. It's no longer our world. It's their world. And they understand it. It's normal for them. Normal. My three-year-old, the iPad, it's normal. That's his world. It's normal for them because it's all they have ever known. They were born into it. This is one of the reasons why I have young staff. Another reason is when you get older, everybody's younger. (laughs) But it is one reason that I, on purpose, have younger staff. And this is why I allow allow them permission to give input and to help navigate the future of this church. Because I'm not the future of this church. They are. I'm still a vital part of it today. Don't get me wrong. Don't read in something I'm not saying. But I'm not the future of this church. They are. And so if I'm not the future of this church, then I need some input from those that are going to be the future of this church. How many believe that's pretty good wisdom? See, that's the difference in most older people, most, especially most older preachers. Most of them aren't willing to allow the young guys to speak into the church and speak into the ministry and speak into, you know, the everyday things of the church. I'm, I'm, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm not the dullest one either. And so we need to allow them permission, and I do allow them permission to give input and to help navigate the future of this church. See, it's not about one generation. We're a family. This is the Grace Place family. We are a family. How many know that that typically a family, a family has parents? Typically a a family has grandparents. Typically a family has kids and it has grandkids and even great-grandkids. Oh, many generations can be found in a family and each generation is important and each generation has something to say and each generation should be allowed input. In order for us to increase our efforts, we should mentor someone and we should be mentored by someone. And I challenge all of us to increase our efforts. Oh, it's the only way that we are going to see different results. 